Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, the sermon audio from Word of Life Church in Lesseur, Minnesota. Thank you for listening, and may you be blessed by this word of grace for you today. Good morning, Word of Life Church. We are glad you're here. Hey, if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Jason Lang, and I get to hang out with Word of Life Church, and man, we wish we were in person. Uh, a big huge thank you to everybody for, for their patience and, and for getting together online. It's just so much fun to get to worship together, even though we don't get to be together here in person uh, but a big, huge thank you to you. And uh, while I'm saying thank yous, a big, huge thank you to Vince for the tech repair. Vince makes it possible, made it possible so that our screen could get repaired and we could have our screen on today. So a big, huge thank you to Vince. Really appreciate that. If you're looking for an opportunity uh, just to, to plug in, be involved, and stuff like that, we've got a couple opportunities for you right now. Uh, we have uh, sign-up opportunities for the food shelf, uh, Word of Life gets to uh, help volunteer at the food shelf for the month of June. And so if you're interested in that, please check your email and uh, check, your, check our website. And that will direct you to uh, the sign up for the food shelf. The trustees are also organizing people to do some of the cleanup jobs, the spring cleaning jobs around the church. Obviously, we can't do it all together. Man, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, but if you're, if you're interested in just doing something physical and just getting out of your house... Then, 
please, you know, come on up to the church, and there's opportunities to, to sign up. Some, a few people already uh, cleaned the windows. I know Mary Carlson cleaned the windows, and uh, Tanny cleaned the windows. Anybody else clean, you know, do some cleaning? There's, so we're waiting for people to do, uh, do a few jobs, and if you've got some questions, don't hesitate. Um, you can uh, call the church, and we've got a list of things that you can do. In addition to that, uh, if you have any experience with uh, camera, video, video editing, we are looking for some more volunteers to help out with video. And uh, as, as things move forward, the, the online side of our worship isn't going anywhere. We're looking forward to, to renewing our on-site worship when we're, when we're able to do that. But right now, online is going to stay, and we could really use some more help in, uh, in, with the cameras, with the video, with the video editing. And, and so if you, if you would like to volunteer for that, please um, email Sue, uh, wordoflifelbc at wordoflifelbc.org or give a call to the uh, church office and we would love, love to get you signed up and we'll organize some training for that as well. Um, also, a big huge thank you to Eric Smith. Uh, we've got a couple, just a, a, just a couple weeks left, not even, um, and we have really appreciated Eric Smith and Mandy and his, and his boys and their participation at Word of Life Church. And so we just want to say a big, huge thank you to uh, Eric. And if you would like to be involved in the thank you to Eric, then I want to invite you to do a drive-by that's right, we're going to do an appreciation drive-by right here at Word of Life Church uh, on Thursday, you know, this upcoming Thursday, the 28th, from 6 p.m. till probably about 8 p.m., and you could just drive on up. We're going, to have a, we're going to have a bucket out there for you to throw an appreciation card in there or a thank you card in there, and just come on by. Eric and the family are going to be standing right out front, and, and you could drive in, honk your horn, wave your hands, and we're going to have a great old time. That's, a, uh, that's Thursday the 28th at 6 p.m. We'll organize kind of the cars in the parking lot just to make sure that we have enough room so that everybody can come in and drive by their appreciation for the Smith family and just say a big, huge thank you to them. So um, please join me on Thursday uh, for the appreciation drive-through. And then we have a couple of, of videos coming up, but I just want to tell you, um, please be in prayer for our, our graduates. We've got uh, friends of the congregation who are graduating from college. We've got some friends of the, uh, gradu uh, who are graduating from high school today. And so um, let's take a look at some of their pictures. And, and let's, while, when their picture comes up, will you do me a favor? Will you please just take a moment to pray for them and pray for where the Lord's leading them in this next stage of life? Hey, let's worship the Lord together. Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you.
I lived in a community where there was about 30 boys that went into the service. My brother Bill, he, he wanted to go in so bad. He was in the Air Force, along with my other two brothers. They were in the Air Force also. They were all three pilots. He uh, went over to the South Pacific. On the mission that he went on, he got shot down. On Christmas Eve, we got the message that Bill was killed. It's a beautiful thing to know, even though in the midst of sadness and despair that your loved ones perished so that we might have the freedoms we have. I would like to express my thanks to all the people, all the, the, the men and women that have served our country and have perished so that we might have the freedoms that we have today. It's always hard for me to say Happy Memorial Day uh, because we're remembering those who gave their lives. And so tomorrow, when you celebrate Memorial Day, would you take a, take a little time and pray for, for the families of those who have given their lives in service to our country? That was a great video. It really connects with me is just, just hearing the story about him and getting the news about his brother, Bill. And, uh, and so as, as you go into Memorial Day tomorrow and as you, you get together uh, with the few people that you can, I know it's going to be different. There's not going to be crowds of people all around, all around the flag as it's, as it's raised up. But just take some time tomorrow and be thankful. Our call to worship this morning comes from Revelation. As we work our way through the Lord's Prayer, uh, Revelation, uh, and it says, And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the thrones came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne 
There was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature is like a lion. The second living creature is like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures... Each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The one on the throne is God, our Heavenly Father. He's the one who we come, draw near to to worship. He is seated on a throne in heaven. He is continually worshipped by angels shouting out his holiness. And we, we get to worship right along with them. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Let's worship the Lord together today.
Roman Empire was vast. Uh, Romans took over everywhere around the Mediterranean Sea. They had some of Europe, some of the Middle East, some of Northern Africa, uh, and they held it and they thrived, the Roman Empire did there. They were constantly trying to increase in size, pushing their borders, conquering new territories, um, and then they were using their expansion to, to fuel their economy. More soldiers, more slaves, more land to produce materials and goods that they needed. Most of the kingdoms paled in comparison to the Roman Empire. Even Israel, God's chosen kingdom, never was even close in size to the Roman Empire. But that's what Jesus' disciples would have wanted for a kingdom. But at the time of Jesus, Israel was part of Rome's empire. Israel didn't even have their own nation at the time. And they were, they were thinking that Jesus would, would be the beginning of something different they were looking forward to being the head of God's new nation. And if, and if Rome had gotten as big as it did, and they were God's people, Israel and the nation there could grow even bigger. But here was Jesus, who, like I said, many were expecting to remove Roman authority from Israel, yet he didn't come to establish a kingdom in the way that they expected when Jesus tells his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come or your kingdom come, there are a few among them that would have, would have got pumped. They're thinking, awesome, the kingdom that we've dreamed about here, finally, it's going to come. They're ready for it. But Jesus' kingdom, overthrowing Rome, retaking Israel for themselves and, and placing their names at, at the top of the world, um, don't get along. That's not how Jesus and his kingdom worked. That's not how God's kingdom was being established. No, God's kingdom was not really what was expected by disciples. So what are we praying for then when we're praying for God's kingdom to come? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom, Lord. So how does God bring about his kingdom? So... Matthew 13 is filled with parables. There's, I think, seven parables in Matthew that are all Jesus talking about the kingdom. And so he's got all these stories to compare. Hey, this is what God's kingdom is like. And so I'm picking just a couple out of the middle. We're going to be in Matthew 13, 31 through 33. So you can either open a Bible, a phone, check it out on this screen over here. Um, but Jesus talks about how small seeds grow into God's kingdom. So check it out. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Those are not the normal parables that you always get to hear in your life. But um, I, love, I love a mustard tree because of a couple of things, really. Um, one, I really like to ask the question, 
if you could only pick one topping to put on your hot dog, what would it be? I learned this past week in youth group that a whole bunch of youth group students are ketchup only, and Brooke, if she's really limited on her condiments, is also ketchup only, though she did have to clarify that if there was more, better condiments, she would have added relish to her brat as well. But there's a whole bunch of ketchup only kids, and parents, I'm, that's on you. Jason and I are not ketchup only people in hot dogs, so as much as you think we influence them, I'm, I'm blaming you guys for the ketchup only. My pick is always mustard. I do have to clarify that chili does not count as just one topping. That is, that's a cheater answer. There's too many things in chili to count chili as one hot dog topping. So mustard, mustard wins out for best hot dog topping. But I like mustard now. There would have been a time in my life where I would have said that I love mustard and would have challenged my brothers with just tell me a food. I, I bet you I'd put mustard on it. They were pretty quick to come up with tacos, which I still have not had with mustard on it. But this was a period of time where I was making mustard sandwiches, which was literally just bread, mustard, bread, and eating them. Kind of defiantly, stubbornly just saying, this is how much I love mustard. I would use mustard as a chip dip. Get some plain original, you know, Lay's, dip them in some mustard. I loved mustard. So I, the, the culmination of all of my culinary expertise at the time was bread, dill pickle chips, mustard, bread. So that was, that was at the top. I love, love, love mustard. Um, but I'm also a fan of, of a mustard tree and its seeds because of how it describes my role as a disciple of Christ, as a follower of him. Mustard seeds, like that verse said, would be planted in gardens, but they would grow into a, into a tree. I don't know what, all, what, what you plant in your gardens, and I haven't been keeping up with the garden this year, but a couple years ago I was planting some tomato plants. There is no way a tomato plant, which I think of as at least a kind of big plant in a garden, would ever be able to hold up a bird's nest. And yet mustard seed, this tiny little seed, grows into a tree that birds can sit in. That's what God's kingdom is like. Small seeds helping it grow. I also have some leaven though I've been referring to it as sourdough starter. Uh, smells a little bit sour, a little bit fermented. And this, I've been growing it in the season of life where everybody's at home and has a little bit of extra time there. Um, leaven is different. The starter is, is different than your store-bought yeast um, that, that just grows up your dough real quick. And it wasn't store-bought yeast that Jesus was talking about in this parable either. Instead of the special yeast, that we see in stores. Leaven is made from natural yeasts. There's yeasts on the ground. There's yeasts in the air sometimes. There's yeast on fruit and veggies and even you and me. We have little bits of yeast. And there's little bits of yeast in grain like flour as well. And so what needs to happen for leaven to grow is you are mixing water with flour. And then the flour and the yeast and then flour mix with the water and the yeast becomes activated and starts to eat. And so I have over here some flour all measured out. And uh, when you're mixing this, you go by weight and not by volume. So if you're thinking, like, how many cups of what do I use and how many cups of the other, I can't tell you. Shout out to Jessica. I borrowed her kitchen scale for a long time to make sure that all of this was good to go. Um, so I have... 80 milligrams or 80 grams of, of flour and 80 grams of water. Take these guys, I'll mix them up, and while this is just flour and water right now, 
I'm going to add to it my leaven. And this leaven, it's got some bubbles in it. The yeast is, is activated. It's growing. And when I add it to this other flour, what's going to happen is this sourdough bit is going to spread throughout. And after a while, this is going to grow and grow and grow and become more and more and more flour. So there's a couple little cool tricks that I've learned with this. Like one is if you want to see how much your flour is growing or your, your starter is growing, you put a rubber band on your glass jar so you know if it doubles in size because that's usually a good time to uh, use it or refeed it. So I'll stir this sucker up. I'm going to take a picture of it. And then in a few hours, after this has all been recorded, I'm going to take another picture of it to show you how much it's grown. Because that's how leaven works. Really, really small, tiny bits of yeast mixed in with flour. Can't even see them. Not visible. Nothing big. No big, you know, active yeast. Sometimes you see that. You see it grow. You see how it works. Not just flour. Not the yeast and flour. So, right now, ooh, taking a good bit off of there. That's pretty good. Take a picture of this. Here we go. Rubber band's a little high. Stirred it up a little bit. Drop down in volume. There. Perfect. That's the start. So in a little while, I'll take another picture. Show you how tiny little bits of yeast and leaven grow. And so uh, these things are really it's wonderful. I love having some, some sourdough at my house. I've been making some some bread, I've been making some pizza dough, made some biscuits, got fancy and made some crumpets. I even made some cake. Um, because I, I always used to think of, of leaven when Jesus was talking about, about leaven in this parable as yeast that you find in the store, but having grown some of my own, um, it just makes me appreciate even more. Mustard seeds are small, but you can at least still see them. Leaven that we're talking about and the yeast that's in there is, is invisible to my eye and yet it still grows and grows and grows. And that's kind of how Jesus then operates in the grand scheme of all things. If we're talking about small seeds growing out God's kingdom, a little bit earlier in Matthew, Jesus tells a story about a sower, someone out scattering seed. And he reveals to his disciples a little bit later that, that the Son of Man is the sower. He's the one that's sowing the seed. Jesus really could be described as, as the original seed, the true vine from which all other seeds grow. And he's, he's humble and, and a servant. Not seemingly Lord over all, though he is. He doesn't come and, and conquer and destroy the Romans. He doesn't seem to be the guy who would claim the throne for himself, even if, even if Satan tempted him to do so. He didn't come to be king of Jerusalem, empire, emperor of the world, no. But Jesus does show himself as a kingdom of kingdom, king of a kingdom that's grown by really small seeds. Because God didn't send out another son or two to come alongside Jesus to really make sure that the message was getting spread out. He didn't send out angels to herald before him wherever he went, constantly proclaiming his majesty and making sure that everybody was looking at him. Jesus wasn't born in a position of power or influence. The book of Isaiah tells us that, that Jesus didn't have any real good looks to draw anybody to him. He wasn't rich 
And though Jesus was God, he didn't use his God power to, to be mightier, to make everything easier for himself. Jesus humbled himself instead. The God of the universe, the creator and true vine in whom everything in the universe was made, chose to be a little seed to grow his kingdom. And then he calls us little seeds, us as individuals, us with not a lot to give to grow his kingdom as well. Jesus helped God's kingdom grow by sharing God's word. And like a good gardener, also gave us seeds love and, and daily bread from which to continue growing. But we'll get to, we'll get to daily bread in a, in a few weeks. But God doesn't always take the, the grand and the big and the mighty or those with power to further his kingdom. In fact, we see over and over throughout the Bible that God uses the meek and the small and those with very little influence to further his kingdom. Here in Genesis, just a couple of people real quick. Joseph was sold as a slave by his brothers, ended up in Egypt as a slave, got thrown into prison, and yet God used him to keep whole nations from starving to death as he raised him from slave to second in command over all of Egypt. David was the youngest of all of his brothers, just a shepherd who God used to conquer Goliath and the Philistines and then continued to use him as a king to further spread God's word. We have Esther, who was a bit of a nobody, who ends up being uh, given power to save all of the Jews in exile from being murdered. And Jesus calls his disciples from lowly positions. We got fishermen. Nobody is looking up to or, or showing great respect to them. There's a tax collector. Tax collectors were hated. And then just young men. Nobody with power, nobody with influence. He was followed by sinners, prostitutes, and tax collectors, healed beggars and common soldiers. And for some of them, when he told them not to continue following him around Jerusalem and the surrounding area, they just went and, and talked about what Jesus has done for them and shared God's word. They talked about how he loved how he taught, and how he cared for those who weren't being cared for by anybody else. Even in these two parables, Jesus puts the audience in the shoes of a man planting a garden or the shoes of a woman who's adding leaven to flour. Those aren't positions of power. And so then, God is using you, brother or sister in Christ, to be a little seed growing his kingdom. He's not looking for you to be perfect. And as Eddie reminds me sometimes, that God still loves us even when we're mean. And it's easy to, it's easy to see myself as good, uh, but I'm not. I'm, I'm mean. Sometimes mean is replaced by bad or naughty, and I'm, and I'm those things. I'm a selfish little sinner. You and I, we sin a lot. Like, like a lot. All the time we're sinning, but... God still wants to use you to help share his word and further, and further his kingdom. Part of the trick uh, is, is in forgiveness. It's not staying down. Sin and guilt can beat us up and tear us down. And yet your sin doesn't disqualify you from sharing God's word. I've recently been thinking about it. It kind of compares to a, a cheat day on a diet sometimes, talking about God's word, where 
Um, you might eat something that you're not supposed to, and so it's kind of like, <sighs> I screwed up. Well, whatever, I'll just eat whatever I want for the rest of the day. I've been trying to do some intermittent fasting, and so I usually eat between 1 and 7 p.m. Uh, you know, daily. And sometimes I sit down with Ed and Vince in the morning, grab a bowl of cereal and start eating, and I'm like, oh, I wasn't supposed to eat for another four or five hours. I completely forgot about it, but then suddenly I have this idea in my head that, okay, now since I've eaten, I guess this day doesn't really count, so I'll just eat today and, you know, not just stick to one to seven, so I eat before one to seven, I eat during one to seven, and I eat after one to seven because I feel like I, I've messed up, so I, it's no longer worth me trying to stick to the right path. But falling back into the same sin, the same mistakes, doesn't disqualify you from being a seed. It can feel hypocritical. It can feel as though you're lying to people, sharing what God's saying, what God is saying about doing right and what is right and good, while you know that you've been wrong and, and bad. But you, as a follower of Christ, are forgiven and made righteous through what Jesus has done. He came to live as a man without sin, so he could be the sacrifice that we need to live despite our sinful lives. You've been saved. You're no longer a slave to sin. You've been adopted into sonship and are co-heirs with Christ under our Father God, who art in heaven. Hallowed be his name. God, your kingdom come. In, in Luke, uh, Jesus is talking with some Pharisees and being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And there's two parts to this, because one, we look at the kingdom of God as Jesus coming. He's the beginning of that kingdom of God. He's always been part of the kingdom of God, and he is literally in the midst of these people he's talking to. But yet at the same time, we get to see that in the midst of these people are broken people, are messed up people that will continue to bring about God's kingdom. It's a kingdom made up of little seeds, hard to observe directly. It's a good kingdom to be part of. It's a kingdom that has life and love and all things good in it. And it will never fail. As believers, we are part of the growth of God's kingdom here on earth. Not through taking over the government or setting Christians in places of power. God's kingdom is not America. But God's kingdom, God's kingdom is made of the church universal and extends for eternity beyond this world. That kingdom has grown from people being little seeds. Much like the disciples wanted God's kingdom to tear down Roman authority and to propel themselves in power, we can lose sight of what is to come. We pray for God's kingdom to come, and it will. Jesus is coming back to bring us into his kingdom, perfect and deathless forever. The Roman Empire is ended. God's never will. So go. Be a small seed. And God may cause fruit from you to grow and grow and grow and expand his kingdom. And hear these words from Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, 
and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. One, two, three. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we were made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in of hell.